Hey, Josh Felber here. Today's guest, if you have a podcast or you've been thinking about starting a podcast, you got to watch this show. The original OG of podcasting, podcast services, uh, Todd Cochran. He's going to dive in and give you some awesome insights on how you can take a look at what you need to grow your show, how you can elevate what you're doing, create more engaging content, as well as attract more listeners to your podcast show. So stay tuned for today's episode with Todd Cochran on Making Bank. Hey, Josh Felber here. If you love this freedom merchandise, gratitude merchandise, or anything like that, you have to check out gratitudegear.com. That's where I love my shirt, t-shirts, super soft, comfortable, the hoodies, whatever that is for you, check out gratitudegear.com and use the code MAKINGBANK10, MAKINGBANK and the number 10 for 10% off your first order. You are, you are listening to Making Bank, where we uncover the mindset and success strategies of the top 1% so you can amplify your life and your business. business. Welcome to Making Bank. I am Josh Felber, where we uncover the mindset and the success strategies of the top 1% so you can amplify your life and your business today. Super excited for today's guest. Todd Cochran is the CEO of Blueberry Podcasting, a podcast media company that represents over 105,000 audio and video podcasters, in which his company provides advertising opportunities, media distribution, hosting, podcast media statistics, and many other services. He is also a podcast advertising specialist, executing podcast advertising deals with a variety of national vendors for the past 13 years. He was also responsible for bringing GoDaddy into the podcast advertising space as one of the first podcast advertisers back in 2005. He also founded the Tech Podcast Network in 2004, and he is a United States Navy veteran who served 25 years and retired with the rank of Senior Chief Petty Officer. Todd resides in Quincy, Michigan, having spent the majority of the past 25 years in Honolulu, Hawaii with his family, and I'm excited to welcome to Making Bank today. Well, let's make some bank. <laughs> <laughs> well, man, going from Hawaii back to Michigan, or, or you were in Michigan and just visited Hawaii a lot? I I lived there for uh, 25 years, and to be honest with you, got sick of spending three hours a day in my car. I was building my business out of my car, so oh. now I'm here and <laughs> able to, you know, really uh, live life a lot better. To be honest with you, I love Hawaii, but uh, much easier to be on the same time zone as the rest of my team. <laughs> yeah, probably. You got that? Was it six or eight hours difference or something? Yeah, six hours. Yeah, that makes it a little little trickier. You got to get up either bright and early or go to bed pretty late. Well, uh, it was usually go to bed late and get up early, so it meant for no sleep as well. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, so tell me a little bit about what uh, what you got what got you started as an entrepreneur. Was it was the uh, podcasting your first business venture, or kind of give give us a little bit of details? You know, my family's always been having their own businesses. Okay, so that is really. From, from the beginning, but when I went into the military, obviously you didn't go in there to be your own boss. And as I was getting ready to retire, the, the I was seeing what I'm going to do with the rest of my life, and podcasting just kind of uh, fell into place. I was one of the early podcasters in 2004, and it uh, really opened up uh, 
some opportunities. And what I really kind of determined in mid-2005 was that there was a business opportunity to build a business. And it was largely because I was doing uh, podcast advertising deals. And the there was this genesis moment, just like any other business, where you make a determination that there is there's something there. And I actually reached out to my audience that was listening to my podcast at the time. I said, hey, I need a lawyer. I need an MBA. I need a graphics guy. And I need a programmer. We're having a phone call in nine days. And if you're one of those, uh, join me on that call. And uh, from that call, I built my team. My team came from my audience and my podcast. And we formed a business over the phone and literally was profitable from day one. It was it was an unusual way to start a company. But uh, at the time, I was still active duty, had no funds, had no venture, had nothing besides a credit card in my back pocket. Yeah, that's that, that's super cool. I mean, just, you know, being able to reach out to your audience and, you know, get that engagement from them to, you know, start to build your business, you know, like you said, with no money or anything like that and, and putting it all together. Obviously, you saw there was a need in the space, you know, starting podcasting and everything else. What uh, and you said you guys were profitable right from the beginning. What kind of was those initial things that you saw as your biz- biggest success to really make that happen? You know, um, I had already had some foundational information in how to start uh, representing podcasts and advertising deals because okay. I'd done some of the first deals in the space. So we went out and GoDaddy and Citrix Go to Meeting and several others. And we said, "Hey, here we have this new medium." this new way to reach consumers. Uh, let's do some advertising spend. And, and that they did. Uh, I think at one time, and these were early, early days when shows were still very, very small. We were probably doing a half a million a quarter on, on uh, basically on ad deals coming in, of which we kept 30%. So for a small company that had literally no one on the payroll, <laughs> no brick or mortar, no, no health plan, and none of that stuff existed. It right, was, it was pure money that was going into the bank account. So we built the business that way for a first couple of years before we brought on the first employee full time. So it was able allowed us to have a pretty good nest egg in actually starting the formal business where we formalized, you know, doing put in payroll, putting in HR, you know, all that stuff that you would need from a, for a regular business. But we really ran this thing in the very, very beginning. A uh, regular work full time job, then come home and work another eight hours to build a business. So it was really, uh, you know, burning the candle at both ends to make it happen. Definitely, I mean, a lot of times as you know, as an entrepreneur and growing a business, that's you know, if you are working somewhere else and you know trying to build it, you are doing kind of that the whole double duty. It's you know your your normal day job, and then you know the next five or six hours, you know, at home till one in the morning or two in the morning, build, building what yeah. you want to do and your passion. And it was not only that, I was also creating content. So I was in the, you know, down in the, the depths of, of creating a, a podcast that I was continuing to build and also monetizing. So it was not only running a business, but it was also doing the show, which is, it gave me the credibility to be able to walk the walk and talk the talk. It was, sure. it wasn't one of those situations where it, I was hypothetically thought what I needed to do. I was actually doing it and knew the struggles thereof. What uh so when you guys when you launched with the advertising opportunities and everything, did you see 
what were some of those challenges initially that you saw in the beginning reaching out to these companies? It's a new medium of advertising. Uh, you kind of were the first one really in that space. Um, what were some of those initial challenges with all that? The challenges wasn't necessarily with the advertisers. It was with the creators. It was like herding cats. Because mm. if you could imagine having really at the time, we were building systems to support it, but we'd have four or 500 shows on a single ad buy. And every Monday morning, there was reports needed, uh, and, you know, all the time spots, all the placement. So all this was, you know, we were making this up as we went and had to build a system to support that. But really, it was getting that coordination of content creators to think, hey, you're really doing something here for money. Make sure that you're you're putting forth your best efforts. So some of those early challenges were were really honestly is was managing the content creators to understand what they needed to do. Um, the media buyers themselves were ecstatic because we were we were delivering performance. So Citrix Go to Meeting at the time was in TV, print, almost everywhere, and their cost for acquisition at the time was about two hundred dollars to get a new customer to sign up, and we were delivering customers to them at for twenty seven bucks. So that allowed them to just say, hey, you know, here's the open checkbook. You get as many shows on this as you can because if we're beating national averages by eight or nine times um they they the, the checkbook was unlimited we just we we were trying to fill more shows just to spend more money so it wasn't from a lack of performance with the media buyers it was really at the time a lack of inventory mm, wow okay that's interesting because and i get it too i mean i you know people send over and got to shoot the you sh shoot the content for it got to make sure it's good you know and and you're really putting you know putting out a quality ad it's you know from just uh just reading it but really you know getting you know who you are and 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 uh yourself into the ad i think is super important yeah, that host red piece you know and that being able to actually talk as if you had actually used a product and we required all of our customer or all of our podcasters actually use the product so they knew what they were talking about so it made a big big difference but you know, the business grew that way for the first uh, three to four or five years, and then there was a shift. And every business kind of faces this when all of a sudden things change and you have to be able to pivot. And luckily, we were able to pivot in those early days and become more of a service provider than the advertising piece because at the times, all the shows in podcasting were relatively small. I think right. the biggest show would have maybe forty or 50,000 viewers or listeners. And then... Adam Carolla and some other folks came on the scene and that money started to roll up slowly into those bigger shows and it never really came back for the smaller shows. So we had to mm -hmm. shift and luckily as our advertising revenue went down, our service revenue kind of met in the middle and we survived that, that pivot. And, uh, it's kind of where we are at today. And now it's kind of interesting as we're starting to bring back the advertising piece, uh, completely to our content creators today after kind of being out of the game for a number of years. Well, and you know, you kind of mentioned, you know, as, as, some of these bigger radio people came in into podcasts and everything. What What's kind of the last, I don't know, what are we at now? 17, 15, 17 years that you've been podcasting. What is kind of that whole growth and transition that you've seen um, and then kind of where we're going with all this? You know, I think if you look at where the space is today, you look at Spotify, they've, you know, they've spent nearly a billion dollars in the space. Yeah. They've spent money like drunk sailors. Right. And now... <laughs> And now they have stockholders that they have to answer to. They got they got to turn that billion or eight hundred million or whatever the number is investment into some serious revenue. 
And I think they're going to be challenged to do that. And if the economy is drying up a little bit, then, you know, that free money is gone. So as we grew the business, we made an internal decision. Actually, we went to Silicon Valley and looked for money and they told us we were too old. Mm. And yet they gave a whole bunch of competitors money and they're gone. Those those companies, 30, 40 million dollars investment, they're gone. They're not non-existence. But, you know, we're still here because we had a viable business that actually had revenue. We built slowly as we could, added people as we could. Our team is still pretty small. We're, I think, max about 18. Wow. And the what has happened really is this, we grew into the business and, and have had to continue to compete where five to six years ago, there was five competitors. Now there's 20. Mm. So, you know, our focus really now as a business is because podcast hosting is really kind of a commodity. Uh, and there's, you know, there's a, there's 20 players in space. We have to beat them in the services and features and it's bringing, you know, value to that content creator. So when they log into our platform, we help them, uh, publish, analyze, and grow their show, monetize, inspire, all those other kind of kicker keywords that we use to help help content creators. But the space, you know, saw a surge at the beginning of the pandemic. And, you know, the podcasting growth has been this kind of steady line. Um, and 3 4% a year has been the kind of typical growth. And then the spike of COVID – but what we're seeing is is those numbers coming back down and getting back on the line ah. because people all of a sudden have life again. Right. You know, they, they're going to ball games. <laughs> they've got uh, gymnastics. They've got all these things that take up their time and they're not creating as much content. So the space is healthy. It's growing. The advertising dollars are continued to, to fly in. I think probably they're hoping to get to $2 billion, uh, in the entire space. But again, what our focus really has been is to be able to put money in the content creators that are brand new, folks that are just getting started in that first two years of climb out of building a show to help them get, I kind of call it in another, the person actually um, termed this was Tom Webster. He's called it bridge money. And it, and I kind of adopted that word, bridge money for content creators, whether it be take your partner to dinner money, car payment money, house payment money. And then ultimately they can get to life-changing money. So uh, our goal is really to help the creator get to that point where they can get to that life-changing money or maybe just continue their job and just have a great additional income. <laughs> for sure. From that then, what have you seen is working now for you know, helping people that are podcasting you know, rapidly grow their show, you know, bring more listeners, more viewers um, to that? You know, what, what should uh, podcasters be doing now to see and get that growth? You know, it's it's a um, for many, many years I've told content creators and those that are business owners that are listening to the show will understand this analogy perfectly. You never, ever, ever build your castle on rented land. Now, you may rent a space off a space in a strip mall or you may build a building on property that you own. But renting comes with risk. Renting is your, your, your prices can be raised. They can charge you extra money for scraping snow, whatever it may be. Mm that goes along with maintaining that brick and mortar for content creators, their brick and mortar is really their com and where they build their brand at. So I've always told content creators, you, you, you build your brand on your.com. And many of us that are in the online business space, we rely on our.coms to drive traffic to it, whether it be B2B, B2C, whatever it is, this is the type, you know, we, we really drive revenue through our website. So, 
the same thing with a podcaster. If you're going to do content and whatever your goal may be, monetization, funnel, authority, whatever the goal of the creating the content is, or a business owner, maybe it's you know to drive clients in, is really you got to have that place where Google is going to index that website and say, mm. here's a piece of content for somebody. Finding a show today is not difficult. Where you win the growth game, not only sharing with friends and family and people that you know and having your audience spread the word about your podcast, but it's also when someone searches for something specific and when they can find that specific episode where you are talking about a specific topic they're looking for, you gain a follower. And um, so there's many, many other things you have to do. That's just like one. You know, you, you, know, you got to do the social. You got to do, you know, you got to go where your content, where, where your listeners are at, all those things to build a podcast. But my big piece of advice to any content creator is if, if you don't have your own website, where mm. you can call home. Right. I call my personal site Moonbase Alpha. I'm kind of a geek. <laughs> you know, I send my listeners to there. They can listen wherever. I don't care where they listen, but they sure. will know where the content source from, where its genesis point is. No, that's great. I think that's super important is you have one hub that you drive everybody to, and then from there they can access, you know, whatever platform they want to listen or watch or whatever, right. you know, whatever on. Yeah. You know, again, it's in content creators aren't always just chasing money. Right. You know, there's a lot of folks that are in real estate. What are they looking for? They're looking for the next, you know, the next big real estate deal, or maybe they're, you know, they're doing consulting or it's, it's really dependent upon the business. And what are you going to use the podcasting piece for? And most companies now have figured out that I got to be on Instagram. I got to be on YouTube. I got to be on Twitter. I got to be on Facebook. You know, I got to have all these pieces to be online and build a business. But the podcasting piece is just an additional tool set for most, for most folks these days. Right. There's independent content creators, but for a business owner, it's just another piece that you have to have. And you got to be able to, to reach a prospective audience or client. For sure. And, and that's what um, one of the things is with advancement and everything else is being able to manage and monitor your statistics. I mean, I know years ago it was hard to always figure out <laughs> how many downloads were you really getting and, you know, how many, you know, how many people are actually listening to you. And you, what, I mean, like, what did you guys do with your platform? And now it seems now statistics are a little much easier to acquire for your show, um, you know, on specific platforms and everything. Yeah, we've been measuring shows since 2005. Uh, we were part of the original kind of tech group that came up with some initial standards back in 2008, 2009. And then we're part of the formal committee, part of the IEB to formalize a standard. But really what a content creator is looking for is more actionable information. They're, they're okay, oh, great. I got uh, a thousand listens on the last episodes or 10,000 or whatever the number may be. But did they listen all the way through? And that's a question that's been very, very hard to answer right. because the way the podcasting space works, it's a follower subscribe. But now consumption habits have changed. And a lot of people are just click and play. And when they do so, we built a system that allows them to build a retention graph. I can basically, for those that have followed, subscribed, I really can't tell if they've listened besides looking at a maybe a three-month trend. But for those that have actually hit play, I can actually see how long they've stayed in mm -hmm. and when they drop off. So we're able to give content creators, at least on our platform, the ability to see where those active listeners, they hit play versus, you know, followers subscribe to the show, where they dropped off. And it gives them a pretty good handle. Uh, one of our big uh, commercial clients uh, use, has used this technology for a number of years to do programming changes. 
They said, okay, at about the 45-minute mark, we're losing people. Why? They go in and analyze the content said, okay, this segment didn't work. Let's pull that out, and they get that, that retention rate up in the high 90s. Also, obviously, knowing what country people are listening in, which region. We cover all the Nielsen regions, so basically you can see if you're reaching someone in Albuquerque or if you're reaching someone in Omaha. You know, it all depends on where you want to see where your audience is responding. And maybe if you have a market that's underperforming, maybe you throw some some type of marketing dollars at that to grow that audience in that market. So really it's that ability to have actual information to be able to see what's going on with the show from a growth rate, how the show's tracking uh, once it launches, you know, when does it taper off, how long before the content uh, is really not receiving any more uh, downloads, or has it got good long tail? Does it is it getting yeah. views or listens out months later? And that's all information that's super valuable. That's fantastic. I know when I initially launched my show, we launched on all platforms, but uh, YouTube was kind of the main one that we drove viewers to um, back in 2015, just so we could manage and watch and know where people dropped off. And you know, the longer sure. we you know we found if we went 45 or if I went 45 minutes to an hour we would see a lot more drop off if we kept it under 30 minutes. And so, mm-hmm. and so then we'll use and that. I, and, and as we moved into more promoting the audio side, we took and took that same process over that way. And, and I saw the same thing with my show. I could handle two advertiser load. The audience wouldn't revolt, got to three on an hour program. They would start to say that was too much. They start pushing back, uh, go an hour 10. I would be okay. Go hour 15. People are starting to drop off. It really, again, you kind of get to figure out where that sweet spot is for your content. Right. And I think the main thing is, does it remain engaging? Are people leaning forward? Are they listening in? And when they lean back, that's when they leave. So the key is to figure out kind of the sweet spot. And it looks like you've done that. And that's, you know, that what's interesting is, you know, some, you hear a lot of, when I've met with people podcasting or events and, you know, they're like, ah, oh, you know, I want those two to three hour episodes like Joe Rogan. And, you know, it's, you know, people are going to waste their time and, you know, burn up their audience because they're not going to be listening to it unless they are like a Joe Rogan. Yeah. And, it, and if you can have that type of dynamic, more power to you, but three hours is a long time to talk and stay right. engaging and stay up. You know, and then Joe, what does he do? He, you know, he sometimes he's smoking weed during the show. So I don't know how he stays engaging after, you know, after two hours. Right. But it's, you know, it is what it is. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Guys, I hope you guys are really listening to what Todd's been talking about today. Make sure you guys are taking notes. Go back, watch, and listen to this again. And really pay attention to what he's saying. If you have a podcast or even if you don't have a podcast, but you're with your business, you know, how can you be more engaging to your customers? How can you create content that's going to attract them to what you do, whether it's your podcast or your business and everything? And really figure out how what that is for you and how then you can start to apply that to increase your email leads or your subscriber base or whatever that might be. Todd, we got a couple of minutes left. What's something you're like, oh man, I wanted Josh to ask me this question, but he didn't, or I really need to make sure I share this with the audience before we wrap up. Well, I just think, you know, I'm thinking about your audience and these are folks that are want to move fast. They want to grow their businesses. They want to see actionable results. They want to spend money and make money from that commitment. They don't want to just throw it down the toilet. I think the key here really is if you're if you are a business owner and you're going to start creating content, be engaging, bring value. You know, don't be. Uh, we don't need an infomercial. We we need you to bring value and build your authority in the space. And if you do that, 
then it will grow your business and people will will seek your content, especially if it's engaging. Mm -hmm. uh, it's okay to pitch a little bit and bring the value of what you offer to the table. But I think you have to be 90% bringing, you know, engaging content, something that's educational and something you can learn from. And the 10% is, hey, come over and talk to us or engage us in business or sign up for our product or service. And I think if you find that balance as a business owner, then you're going to be okay and get your, get your voice out You know, do what I'm doing here get on other shows and, and talk about your business and get that exposure, build that authority because we all run in these small circles, right? We, yeah. we had seven degrees of separation. We, we want that seven degrees separation to be nine, 10, 11 degrees of separation by people really kind of saying, Hey, have you heard about Todd's show or have you, have you heard about making bank? You want that expansion that way. Right. And once you do that, you, uh, success is guaranteed. Awesome. And uh, where can people get more information on, and connect with you as well as uh, Blueberry and everything? What's, what's the best place to go? It's easy. Todd at Blueberry.com. Blueberry without the E's because we couldn't afford the E's. They were $2 million to add them in there. <laughs> and uh, just or just come over to the website and uh, we give everyone a free trial if they want to start a start a podcast. Happy to talk to any business owners to think about launching. I, that's what I do day in and day out is talk to talk to creators or potential creators. But uh, yeah, Blueberry.com, Todd at Blueberry.com. Awesome. Guys, uh, really appreciate your time today, Todd. And uh, just thank you for sharing some amazing insights with our audience. So thanks again. Thank you. I am Josh Felbert. You are watching Making Bank. Get out and be extraordinary. Thank you for listening to Making Bank. If you have enjoyed this episode, please leave a review. And sharing is caring. Follow Josh Felber on Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram for more. You can also listen to Making Bank on Amazon Alexa, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and watch on Apple TV, Success Thinkers Network, Amazon Fire, and YouTube.